Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. This England British preacher, uh, very famous. He had all these conferences scheduled, and but he was a local pastor as well, and he was struggling on keeping up with the message series in his own local church. He came early in the church building that day, and while he was still opening the church building, uh, the prayerful, mighty uh, prayer warrior of his church showed up. So he knew who she was, and he was glad that she was there, and because he was in a rush, like he honestly was not necessarily preparing a message for his church. He was, again, a conference speaker now, and so that, you know prayerful sister just said, hey, pastor. And he says, oh, sister, I'm so glad that you came early today. Uh, how can I help you? She says, no, the Lord sent me here today. So he's already starting to be hesitant about the following of the conversation. And she said, the Lord sent me to ask you a question. And he says, yes, absolutely. And she said, she asked, uh, what I'm going to listen today is it from the Lord or is it from you? Now, he knew he could not lie to that prayerful sister. So he says, sister, I'll be very honest with you. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, in the rush of my busy schedule, I today just prepare a small devotional for our church. And she replied, I knew it. The Lord told that to me. And see you next Sunday. And she left. So... <laughs> Uh, we are not here today by chance just preaching a devotional message. You came with the expectation to receive a conference message. And I pray, we fast, we uh, really put ourselves on the breach of intercession for this following three days. And there is the spiritual realm open upon us right now. I hope that your heart is ready to receive this powerful word. Amen. But just for the sake of example, too, in case the same story will happen with me, I just going to say that I will lie to the, lady, the, to the sister, okay? I'll just say, look, sister, this is the Lord speaking to you right now, uh, okay? Just, just bow our heads and pray for revelation. Father, we know that you are in this room. We fast, we pray, we cry out for these following three days because we know they are turning points. They are turning, they are, they are steering us to your purpose. Father, I, oh, I pray for revelation, for light in our darkness, life into our death. Let us have, God, the eyes of our hearts open to receive the inerrant, infallible, powerful word of God. We pray in Jesus' name and all people's, all God's people say amen. amen and amen. Praise God. Now, we're going to go into this uh, not-so-known book in the Bible. He is a very strange prophet. His name is Ezekiel. Ezekiel is prophesying in a very hard moment for his people, the people of Israel. The people of Israel was attacked and conquered by this mighty empire, Babylonian. And a part of the people was already scattered. Uh, some was placed in exile. But for some reason, the Babylonians had kept the city of Jerusalem for a couple of years. 
Ezekiel is this first group of um, exiles living Jerusalem, and he's in grief because he's a priest. And on the year of his 30th birthday, he had this vision. And it's important that because as a priest, the day of his priestly ordination will happen on that day when he will be 30 years old. And now he is in grief. But in the midst of his grief, while he was seated at the bank of a re-irrigation uh, channel in this foreign land, he had these mighty powerful visions. And the Lord started to speak with him. But every time the Lord speaks with him, it is not good news. There, what was bad will become worst. The temple in Jerusalem will be destroyed. And there was still a token, a beam of hope that the people that was in exile was expecting that in somehow because the temple was still preserved, maybe God will redeem His people, will bring them back. But Ezekiel clearly saw there was no hope. It was hopeless after hopeless, from bad to worse. Pretty much what you guys saw outside. I don't know if you guys noticed our uh, photo booth. It is not a very nice news uh, highlight over there. And honestly, it seems that we are living from waves after waves of bad news, right? It seems from bad to worse every single day. Like that the point that you almost become like, I don't want to watch any news anymore. Thank God for this internet streaming services, that I don't need to watch reality anymore, right? So you keep yourself plugged into this fake series, just like imagining this uh, uh, perfect world, right? This utopia, uh, ro romantic relationships, and this perfect uh, society, because you don't want to really see reality. But he has reality was bad in the time of Ezekiel. And it seems that for us, we need to learn from him how he dealt with that day. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says, The Lord said to Ezekiel, And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. The title of my message is, A man who builds up and stands in the breach, or the ones who conquer. The Lord is asking us to be this man, because He's still looking for those that will build up and will stand in the breach. We... Maybe like Ezekiel, we are in grief. I, I'm just looking uh, to my relative that got married last year. And we, he couldn't have in his wedding uh, celebration all the family together because we were in all that quarantine season. And now that we finally think that the last year is over, we're still having the side effects of all that uh, isolation in society. Like never before, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor, I'm a counselor. Like never before, we had 
psychological disruption and crisis all over the world. Marriages being destroyed. People getting crises of anxiety and, and, and outbursts of anger and desperation. Depression in the highest of the statistics. But God is looking for those that will build up and stand in the breach. All right, so Ezekiel in this uh, sequence of bad news, it's almost like endless bad news, almost 33 chapters entirely just prophesying things that will not get better. And in one specific sequence of his, this book, specifically from chapter 12 to chapter 32, he creates these parables. He really uses all his master writing capacity in poems and in, in figures of speech and metaphors to illustrate what was happening. But in chapter 22, specific in chapter 22, he stops all the parables and he's very straightforward and compares who is this person. Who is the one, verse 30 again, that will build up the wall and is standing the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it? He will give us three characteristics of those who conquer. And I hope that these principles that I will throw onto your lap, you can use even tonight. Number one, we're called to be pure silver. Not in an alloy. Oh, that's very interesting, Pastor. I understood nothing. Yeah, I know. I know that. That's my catch on you. Let's go to verse 17 of the same chapter. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 17. He says, And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the furnace. They are dross of silver. Now, what is an alloy? What is a metal alloy? It is a mixture of two or more different metals. And the most famous alloy is steel or stainless steel, if you want, is, which is the mix is a mixture of nickel and iron. So now the Bible is telling that the people is mixed. And God could not find among the people anyone useful to stand in the breach and build up because they were a metal alloy. They were mixed it up. And God will use in the time of Ezekiel even the fire of his wrath in order to purge out the impurity of that metal. We're not in that dispensation anymore. But definitely the Lord is still seeking silver among us. Now I need to explain silver to you. I could spend time explaining every metal here. But I decided just to talk about silver. Silver points to redemption. He was using the Bible in a very variety of purposes, mainly in commerce. But there is this special verse in Matthew chapter 26, 
verse 15, that says, What will you give me if I deliver him over you? Do you guys know who is speaking here? Judas. This is the voice of Judas. And in the transaction of selling Jesus off to the religious leaders, that's the price of Jesus. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. Silver is redemption. It's the price of our redemption. Because Christ was sold by silver... Now we are free from every charge. We receive redemption. We are a people of the new covenant because Jesus paid it all. So God wants you and I to be purely in this new covenant. And I'm telling you, no more mixes with other messages. People, but uh, uh, pastor, but you know, it is important to speak about finances, definitely. Oh, pastor, but we need in our life groups more emphasis on how parent, how to parent kids. That's true. Pastor, we need to talk more about self-control and discipline. All these have its place, but what we cannot mix is with the law. We cannot mix redemption with bronze, with self-righteousness, with our merits. We cannot be a dross. We cannot be mixed up metal. We're called to be purely silver. No other metal alloys, but only silver. But this begs the question of what is dross? What is this dross of silver? Now, dross... Is something regarded as worthless, rubbish, debris, just trash. Is that once a person is it's, uh, suing and building and making that beautiful dress, and there is this remaining, this remaining little portion of fabric that is useless, is dross, is rubbish. Is when, when you are in a construction, like a stage like that, that has wood is structured to sustain the weight but the the size doesn't fit perfectly you cut and throw it away that useless parts there's no use for that dross isaiah chapter 57 verse 12 says i will declare your righteousness and your deeds but they will not profit you yes our righteousness our attempt to gain the favor of God, to obtain out of our own effort, with our own willpower. Oh, if I just dedicate a little bit more. No, it is all rubbish. Dross, I'm not going to mix my life, my redemption, the new covenant amazing message of grace with something else. Because it becomes Dross, and I don't want my message to be dross of silver. I want it to be totally silver, purely silver. Are you guys with me? Amen. Let me go better. Philippians chapter 3. Paul saying, verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
uh, what I really treasure, what is really precious for me, is not to know psychology strategy, coaching methods, or if I just find that five steps to be a better person. No, no, no. I just want to know Christ. He is my ultimate precious stone. I want Him. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. What do you mean you counted all things as rubbish, Paul? Yeah, my rabbinic formation, my academic, all my academic levels of degrees, all the praises and the certificates that I receive from my religious background, they are all rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In other words, I, I decrease the value of these things because these things tend to steal my attention, my heart, and I tend to value myself because I have such certificate. I tend, I'm tempted to value other people's because of specific titles that people and religion gives to them. But what really values, what is really valuable is Christ. Verse 9, I want to be found in Him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, that comes from the merit-based relationship. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God. Oh, I want that righteousness. I don't want my own righteousness that depends on faith. Verse 10. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. And may share His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. You know what? When we value Christ to this level. This life itself becomes worthless. And losing things on this life, and I dare to say, even having the risk to lose this very life, I'll count it as nothing. So are even going to expect, verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Why mix grace with something else? Why, as Christians, we really tend to add self-help, self-improvement, legalism, our, our church uh, ways into this pure silver. Let's be known as the people who builds up and is standing the breach that keep the silver pure. Say amen in the house. Second principle, Ezekiel 22, verse 26. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbath so that I am profane among them. Number two. Keep it holy, not common. How can we be the one that God is looking to build up and is standing the bridge? We need to keep it holy and not common. Now, I need tonight, I just felt in my spirit as I was preparing this message, to say that, that you 
are holy. Now, I really want, I don't want to create embarrassment, but if you can look to the eyes of the person close to you and say, brother, sister, just a remembrance, you are holy. Now, seriously, like, who comes to a conference like that? You need to be reminded, you, look into my eyes, are holy. Now, you need to understand that because we live in a day and age that it seems that you should be embarrassed about that. Actually, let me say something very clear. Listen to me. It is right to be right. I'm going to say it again. It is correct and it is right to be right. It is correct to be correct. You don't do any wrong to be correct. You don't do any wrong to be in the right side. Okay, it sounds obvious, right? It sounds self-explaining, but I need to remind you that while the world wants to call normal the wrong and wants to call acceptable what is sinful and immoral, it is right to be right. So let me be even more clear here. You are in the right side when you believe in your marriage. You are in the correct position when you decided to be faithful to your spouse no matter what. You're not in the wrong side. You're not actually what the world is saying. You are just crazy. No, no, you are correct. Well, how you endure such a thing because I was I am called, I made a vow to this man, to this woman, to be faithful in good and bad days. So let me say, it is right to be right. You are in the right side when you honor your parents. Even though it is not trending anymore. Let me say something. You are correct in being the correct side. When you keep your body from immorality and really wait for the covenant of marriage to give yourself to one another, you are in the right side. Don't feel ashamed of that. Stay holy. Don't, don't, be, don't feel like bad or awkward because you keep yourself holy. You are in the right side when you are generous towards your church. Despite what your family is saying, are you crazy? Just, just giving away money? Like, what are you talking about? Because you are part of the body. You are in the right side when you care for people and want to lead a life group. Again, though it's not enough to lead just one semester. No, let your family know you just began. You just began leading. Your story in serving God just started. Say a good amen in this house. You are holy. But better than my words, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people for His own possession. That we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who call you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Say a good amen, everybody. Come on. Are you guys with me tonight? Are you feeling good already? Because some of you guys, for so long exposed to this abnormality that is being called normal, you're feeling awkward to be holy. No, keep it holy. Don't become common, ordinary as everybody else. Now again, this doesn't mean we sign up to the business of condemning people. 
In, every, in any moment I said that. You know why? Because the following verse of this amazing 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you had received mercy. How many of you guys had received mercy in this house? Come on. Somebody. So come on. You, you know that your holiness has to do with receiving the mercy of God. We are not condemning the world. We are not in this business because we had received mercy. Besides, we all know John 3.16 that says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. But what about we know the following verse that says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Neither you. You are not sent into your family to condemn your family. You are not sent into this college to condemn your college friends. You are not sent into that workplace to condemn. No, no. You are there to bring salvation. Say a good amen, everybody. Like, come on. Let's take hold on the position of those that stand in the breach. Build up. Amen? So simply don't make yourself common. You are not an ordinary thing. The people of your life group, they are not common people. They seem like, because they dress similar to everybody else, they seem like, but, but they are not. Your wife, she is not an ordinary person. So woe to you, boy. Look at me. Woe to you, boy, that is treating your wife as a common person. Like, uh, if you come to counsel with me, I'm telling you, if I notice you are mistreating your wife or treating her worse than you treat a stranger in the street, I'll be mad at you, boy. Because she's not common. She's holy. And you know your kids? They deserve respect more than the cashier at Publix. Because they are not common. They are not ordinary people. They are holy. I know it's hard to say amen, but I want to hear a good amen, everybody. Amen. I'm telling the truth. Let's keep it holy. Let us not become common. No, that's actually why that generation was. God could not find among them one man, one woman to build up and stand in the breach. We want to be found. Lest, let us not disregard the Sabbath. Oh, what in the world, Pastor? What's going on here? Yeah, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 26. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths, so that I am profane among them. Wow. What is such a big thing about this Sabbath? Why God feels so offended for the fact that that people could not keep the Sabbath? And why God could not find anyone to be used to build up and to stand in the breach because of such a thing? 
It's because when we try to do, pay attention to what I'm saying, the work of God. Repeat with me, work of God. The work of God with our puny, tiny, useless strength, I'm telling you, you will burn out. You will give up. You will think that was the worst thing you ever sign up in your entire life. You're going to say, what in the world I came to do this seminary? What in the world I decided to lead this life group? Because you're trying to do a mission impossible thing. Work of God. This is not your work. And you need to come to this conclusion. We work for God in the Sabbath. In the rest. You know you should prepare your teaching. Or call someone in your life group. But you just don't do it. You know you should go to the leaders meeting. But you just don't want to go. You know you should spend some extra time in prayer. For your group. But watching TV, it's your higher priority now. The fire is gone. Your get up and go got up and went. And you have lost your motivation. You were crazy to come to the end of the season. Because you are burned out. No encouragement left. We all become here and there discouraged. That's okay. But what to do when discouragement hits the door of our lives? The problem is when we don't deal correctly with discouragement, it easily becomes distress and becomes depression. Always starting with letter D. But it's because God called you to be a disciple instead. And you are trying to do things that you are not called to do. What is the way out, Pastor? Uh, just, just give me the juice. Okay, are you guys ready? Strive to enter the rest. If you want to make an effort, just make this effort. Enter the rest of God. Enjoy the ride. Have fun. Laugh more. Creates memories. Build stories. If nobody shows up in your life group, don't worry. They're going to come next week. But if they don't come up and, and you go after them next week, hallelujah. And if they say they don't want to join anymore, no worry, open a new life group. Life is so good. There are people willing and desiring to listen to the truth. Hebrews chapter 4. So then there remains a Sabbath. Rest for the people of God. How many people of God we have over here? For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So let me say very clear to you guys. How many of you guys had received Jesus as your Savior? Say amen. amen. How many of you guys has received Jesus as your Lord? Amen. All right, so now Matthew chapter 12, verse 8 says that the Son of Man is the Lord of Sabbath. If you want to submit to the Lordship of Jesus, submit to the rest. Just lead, minister, be a man and woman of God in the Sabbath, in the rest. There is no more sacrifice to be made. There is nothing else to complete on the suffering of Christ. Now, we don't need to attain the favor of God. We receive it. So set aside 
yourself to this moment with the Word of God. They're really going to refresh you. The Word of God is like this cold water that you can drink in a hot day. And I know your spirit is going to be alive. But there's one thing that a lot of people miss. is when they are doing things that they really don't enjoy doing it. So, I want to challenge you to use more your gifts. You know, you know what makes me happy to be here? And really, after every preach, I'm not joking. My wife is my witness. She has to create ways to calm me down after Sunday morning. Because I'm super hype. I'm not, I'm not feeling drained and tired. I feel extremely excited to the point that I have to do something. Sometimes I wash the two cars. Sometimes I decided to just, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to just give a cleanup in the entire house. And she gets mad. She says, this is my job. Why are you doing that? I don't know. I just have to do something about it. Like, just give me someone to preach for. I just want to preach, so I'm going to do something about it. Make sure that your spiritual gift or gifts are finding expression. Find ways to express. If it is the gift of teaching, make sure you're ex exercising that teaching in your life group. If you have the gift of administration, just find expressions to lead, to, to help other people. If it is mercy or acts of mercy, gifts of faith, just pray with people. Help other people. If you learn to minister in the Spirit, the same Spirit that gifted you, He will also going to empower you with His power. So we can definitely say, Philippians chapter 4, Verse 13, I can do all things, not in my strength, but through Him who strengthens me. Let me invite Conquer Conference to stand up right now, everybody. And together, my altar call is simply a prayer. A prayer together that it became a slogan, a motto. It became, you're going to become our anthem in these next three days. I just want you Repeat after me. Say, I am called. Call. Better saying, we're going to say, not I, we're going to say we. Say amen, everybody. Okay, let's say with me. Say, we are called, we are called to, be to be the light and the salt of the world. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We are called to proclaim the excellencies. Of Jesus, who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Say with me, we are overcomers. Nothing can separate us from His love. We stand strong. We can do all things through Him who strengthens us. We stand by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And even unto death. We do not fear. By His love, we will overcome. In Him, we are more than conquerors. It is time to conquer.